Hey everybody, and welcome to a new episode on the BookTube channel. Uh, today I have author Gerald Brandt. Gerald, how are we doing today? Good, really good. Good. It's great to hear. I mean, you know, amongst all of the things going on <laughs> in the world, uh, it's, yeah. it's always nice that we can, you know, have a smile on our face for at least, you know, an hour chat. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, but guys, uh, so, so Gerald's uh, here today to talk about his new series, uh, Quantum Empirica, uh, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, first of all, I just want to know, Gerald, I want to know a little bit about you. I uh, want to know kind of growing up, going through school, how you got into writing uh, and kind of how you got to where you are today. Um, all right. Um, you know, I was an avid reader for, for growing up. Just it was my escape. It got me out of out of a lot of you know, problem areas in my life. I could just get into a corner and read and I devoured pretty much anything that was put in front of me. Um, and I started writing, I'd say probably in junior high. Um, I might actually have one of those notebooks still lying around, but it's on the burn pile, I think, because it's pretty much garbage. Um, <laughs> and then uh, in, in high school, um, I got, I uh, met my first computer, right? It was a Commodore PET. Was that's a long time ago, in the 80s, you know, 80s, early 80s, I guess. And uh, all thoughts of writing and everything else kind of went out the window. And I, uh, I devoted myself to a career, which uh, is still doing very well for me. But, you know, I, I turned 40 and I said, you know, this is something I've always wanted to do. I'm still an avid reader and I just really wanted to write. So I said, OK, in 10 years, I wanted to have something published in 10 years. I gave myself 10 years to go from pretty much green to something publishable. And uh, it took 10 years. At, uh, at the age of 50, I signed my first contract with Dog Books. Wow. Yeah. I need to get, I need to give myself like a, you know, an ultimatum. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember. I can't remember who it was that I talked to. Uh, they said that uh, they gave them, I think it was a uh, P jelly Clark. He said, I'm going to give myself a year to write a book. He goes, I'm kind of in a little bit of like a transition period. So he goes, I'll, I need a book written by the end of this year if I'm going to do it. And I keep telling myself, I was like, that sounds great. And the next day I completely, it completely leaves my head and I'm like back to square one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Self-imposed deadlines are, are the easy ones to break. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah. In those 10 yeah. years I wrote six or seven novels in, in 10 wow. years and about 20 or 30 short stories. And I only sold one of those short stories in that time period, and uh, really none of those novels. Right? Wow. So that was all just just getting the skills up to where they needed to be. Yeah, yeah. So so are all those are all those notebooks still to the side? They're not in the burn pile yet, correct? I they were yeah no they're pretty much all gone. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah they're pretty much all gone. I just have that one notebook from junior high. That's it. It also well, has some really bad poetry in it, but we won't go there. <laughs> is that is that going to be is that going to be published posthumously? <laughs> no, no, it's going to be destroyed now that I've talked about it. <laughs> I, I always have to know because I know uh, you know all all author types they always have that one or two or, or multitude of, of stories that'll never see the light of day, and I always you know I wonder a why do you keep it and b why do you keep it? <laughs> uh, I think some of it's just to go, oh, wow, I was really bad at that point in time. And now I, I feel like I've accomplished something, you know, now being published and so forth. 
but at the same time, it's like, maybe I can go back and I'll fix everything that's wrong with it. I, and I'm curious, you know, is, is that something that you would maybe consider doing would be going back and fixing it? You know, I probably wouldn't. The, 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 the simple act of going back and fixing it would probably take as much, if not more time is taking the idea and starting from scratch. Mm. Right. Cause I mean, it's, some of that stuff is pretty much garbage. Really. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, when you, as you're learning, you make the mistakes and, and some of it might be pure gold and most of it's garbage. So rather start from scratch. <laughs> yeah. Especially, you know, now that you've had plenty of years between now and junior high uh, that you're like, I'm a much better writer now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I guess, would you say you started writing seriously at 40, you know, when you gave yourself that 10 year, uh, kind of period, would you say, okay, this is when I'm seriously going to start writing or I mean, would you say you, you took your writing a little seriously in junior high? I mean, yeah. you... No, you know, I, I, did I take it seriously in junior high? Um, yeah, I did, but you know, it was, it was highly derivative of everything I was reading at the time, you know, Eddings and Lord of the Rings. And, uh, it, it's all very, very high fantasy and you know, huge descriptive passages and things like that. But when I really started getting serious, like, like I did mention that at 40, but now if, I'm, if I think about it now, was, would 40 have been, yeah, I guess 40 would have been about the right age. Yeah, 40 was when I really started getting serious and I sat down every day and started writing with, uh, I guess I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old mouse. So one in preschool and one um, nowhere yet, <laughs> still at home. <laughs> so, so I, I need to know. So I've got a, I've got a almost a six month old now. Uh, I need to know what, what is the secret to getting writing done with a child that is not yet in school? Because that has to be near impossible. <laughs> and, and it is. Um, I was the stay at home parent. Uh, my wife was off working and uh, bringing in more money than I ever could. So uh, uh, I was basically the stay at home parent. Uh, and I guess I was lucky. Well, at two years old, they they slept until about six thirty or seven, and my wife left left for work at seven in the morning. So my alarm clock was set for five a.m. And I wrote from five ten to seven a.m. every day, every morning. Uh, well, except Sunday, I think I got to sleep in. We traded uh, Saturday and Sunday, the wife and I, for who would get up with the kids. But uh, so yeah, I got two hours every morning uninterrupted. Uh, I was lucky to have an office in my house, close the door, and I had two uninterrupted hours of writing every day at 5 a.m. You know, I woke up at 5 every five every day, but that's because my wife also wakes up at 5 every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so I, while she's, you know, kind of getting ready for the day, I'm up, uh, you know, prepping lunch and getting stuff ready for the day for her. Uh, cause, uh, you know, since, since she's still six, she's still pumping while at school. So I'm trying to get all that stuff all together. And then, you know, of course I wake the baby up at, well, or she wakes up at seven. So my, I, I've got about a, about a 40 minute window that I can actually get anything done. And usually yeah. that's getting my coffee and trying to, you know, figure out what I'm going to do for the day, whether it's, you know, work or maybe I'll get reading in, but you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, at the beginning of, of the whole, of the whole pandemic, I feel like I was reading a ton. And then 
uh, probably around the end of May, beginning of June. So like right before my daughter was born, it started slowing down a little bit because we were kind of like, okay, it's going to be any day now. You know, we've got to, we've got to be set and have everything together. And then like, as soon as she came, it was like nothing. (laughs) And, And the writing juices went away. The reading juices went away. Uh, and it's just been like, you know, kind of, kind of like you were, you're staying at home dad mode and then get work done and try to make it all happen every single day. And it's, it's, it's like stressful. I mean, you know, I can't imagine, uh, taking care of 15 first graders every day that my wife does, especially, uh, you know, social distanced and having to keep them with masks on and it's near impossible to do that. And they never leave the classroom, but like, it's it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and I don't think I would have been able to do it if I had a six month old at, at home when I started. Right? I mean, I was lucky that like my youngest was two at the time. Right? He's eighteen now, so yeah, I, I couldn't have done it. And I also had to have had <laughs> I have a very supportive wife. So when I said I was working those two hours in the morning, um, I didn't have to make a, a lunch for her or anything we, we did most of that the night before if we could if we remembered i didn't even have a cup of coffee i went straight through, from bed into this office Oof. chair and wrote for two hours and when i left my office at seven in the morning my wife's walking out the door with my coffee in her hand she hands it to me hands me the kids and that was it i'm envious i have to have a cup of coffee as soon as i wake up i can't i can't function without it <laughs> i do now as well but i'm older now <laughs> well, see, you know, I, I never drank coffee uh, up until, I don't know, probably probably when, about the time I got married. Uh, my wife was a coffee drinker in college, and uh, I mean, I just never never needed it. And then, of course, as soon as you start drinking it, you're kind of hooked, and, you know, you start getting those lovely – never actually disconnected. So, I don't know. Okay. So, so yeah, so coffee is a must. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, um, yeah, I, I – I, I guess with a two-year-old, I mean, I, I assume, you know, they're a little more independent and can like maybe focus on tasks for a little bit longer. Cause like I, I put my daughter like in the swing when she's done eating her bottle in the morning and she's good for maybe like 10 minutes. And then she's just like constantly needing attention until she goes back down for a nap. So it's like, do I, do I like write on my phone while also like holding a rattle? Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to do in that situation. It's like that or, or, you know, do I, you know, go to bed and let my wife pass out. And then I like write on my phone. Like I, I don't know what the answer is, but trying to find time is, is impossible. It's very difficult. Yeah. Which is weird because I'm at home all day, but. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, tell me a little bit, um, about your, I guess your writing process and maybe how it's changed over the past 10 years, you know, kind of from when you first started to now, you know, did you have like a, I mean, obviously, you know, you were waking up starting at five, 10 and going until seven. Um, I mean, has that changed? Are you still doing something similar to that? Um, and then, you know, do you have like a, a routine that you have to do something every day? You have to hit a certain point certain page count, word count, et cetera? Yeah. Um, the 5 a.m. Um, starts uh, don't happen. Uh, well, they stopped for, for the longest time. They started again, but I'll get back to that a bit later. Um, and uh, I basically got down to a routine where when I'm doing a first draft, I have to have 
uh, X number of words a day. And for me, that's 2000 words a day. Uh, and I still work. I still have uh, an almost full-time job. I work four times a week. Um, so, you know, getting, getting those 2000 words a day, um, you know, it happened usually in the evenings um, as time progressed and, and Saturdays, if I didn't do anything on like Monday to Wednesday, then those word counts, 6,000 words, I had to try to fit somewhere in on the weekend. But I, I, I try to have a word count every day. Um, uh, and that's usually first draft stage. And I try, still try to stick to that for first draft stage. Uh, when I'm in uh, revision mode, I try to do at least uh, a scene a day. Uh, and I, I have multiple revision passes. You know, one passes for emotional content, one passes for... Uh, tension one passes for so I go through many many different passes on the same scene uh, not not all at the same time I'll, I'll do the, uh, the emotional content in the whole book and then I'll go through and do the tension in the whole book so I'm going through over and over and for that I try to do a scene or two a day um, but let this last year with um, um, COVID and everything has uh, has messed me up uh, we actually started staying home in March and uh you know, I thought, oh, good, I'm, I'm home. I still have my job to do, right? I still have to have to do my four days a, a, a week. And I can, luckily, I'm an IT guy, so I can do most of it remotely, you know, 99%. And I figured, okay, well, good. And then I can, uh, um, you know, I'll have time to do my writing as well. And I can keep everything up uh, and uh, get back on schedule because I felt a little bit behind schedule. And um, it didn't turn out that way. Um, I found the process uh, became more difficult um, as time went on, part of that I think was the stress of uh, of, of COVID and uh, and uh, other things. World politics is one of them for sure. Um, and uh, you know, it, uh, I, I I work now in the same location that I write, and those things were were merging and and becoming muddled, and so I kind of fell off the wagon since since March, and I haven't been able to do a, a ton of writing which is why I'm still working on book three, which should have been handed in, um, let's just say a little while ago. So, <laughs> uh, I've got my second extension on book three, which uh, embarrasses the heck out of me and I wish I'd never had to do it, but that's the way it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, circumstances kind of dictate it. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's really a hard time to focus. It's a hard time to, I mean, I hate to say like feel happy about something, um, you know, you just you just see everything that's going on around you, uh, and and I think the lack of social, uh, you know, social community or the lack of community period is kind of what's keeping kind of me and my wife at least down. You know, I'm I feel I'm I'm fairly introverted, but you know, I, I do enjoy having a social life, and uh, the fact that it's now all you know online is it was fine for a couple of months, and now it's kind of starting to get to me. Yeah. Um, and it takes more effort to have a conversation over video like we're doing now than it does to have a face-to-face -face conversation, right? right? It, and, and so you start feeling drained and you start feeling wiped out, if you, especially if you're doing, you know, I had three meetings this morning at work. So and this is my fourth, fourth discussion today, right? My, my first concerning the book ever, but that's all right. At, uh, <laughs> but it drains you, right? That all yeah. this, you're, you're paying attention and, and sometimes you have multiple people that you have to pay attention to. So yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's only, you know, I'm not gonna say it's only fair, but you know, it, 
it kind of comes with the territory. You know, at, at some point you're going to, you're going to kind of slow down and you're going to kind of maybe, maybe overthink something or, you know, you just go, okay, this isn't going to work out. I, just, I have to have more time. So I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure your publisher understands. <laughs> and they, they had to go so. through, they had to go through something similar, you know, when they all had to start working remotely and everything, you know, all publishing dates got pushed back. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm actually, I'm actually lucky with this series. Um, in theory, I would have handed in all three books before the first one came out, which, um, you know, I've only had one other trilogy before and it, uh, that's not the way that one worked. And from my understanding, that's not the way it usually works. So I, I'm luckily I, I had that breathing room, right? If, even if they bring up the books once every nine months, I still have time to get book three done and polished and then go to the editor and get the editor passes and the copy edits and all that stuff done before I start feeling any real time crush on a mm -hmm. publishing date. So I'm, I got lucky with this series on that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Robert J. Sawyer says, I uh, mentioned WordStar. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes word star yeah <laughs> i uh you know again i all of my computer experience started in the 80s and uh you know with us uh you know cpm and all the other stuff and uh i learned how to do word processing on WordStar, and i loved it uh and i moved to word and LibreOffice and all those and i really don't like them i write all my books not on WordStar. But being a software guy and an IT guy, I wrote my own word processor and called WordSAR. <laughs> and it's a WordStar clone, essentially. All the same commands. Uh, what you see is what you get. All that kind of stuff. And I do all my books on those until, until it hits the editor. Then I have to start bringing it into uh, LibreOffice because everything's done in uh, DocX format from that point. Ah, oh, gotcha. Okay. That's kind of neat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Made your own program to write in. Hey, you know, I don't think many people can say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, kind of a little bit nerdy that way, maybe. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with all being nerdy. Um, okay, so uh, tell me a little bit. So you said you've been reading for for you know most of your life. Who would you say are some maybe maybe some of your major influences at the beginning? Uh, maybe they've continued until now, and then maybe if you have any newer influences, uh, I guess since you started writing seriously. All right, yeah. Um, the early ones, I mean, I'm going back a ways. Uh, of course, uh, David Eddings was a big one. Uh, Lord of the Rings was was a big early one. I used to be a huge Piers Anthony fan, but uh, he hasn't aged well in uh, in today's environment. So I, I I actually dropped him quite a while ago. Although I still have three of his books on my shelf. I think the Bio and the Space Tyrant series, which I promised myself I'll read again someday, but I haven't because I have, you know five shelves of to be read books already. So we'll see. I, I hear um, you there. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the ones that I, that I've loved and I've reread um, uh, at least three or four times now is uh, Mary Stewart and her Merlin series. I don't know the exact name of the series, but that was, that's a phenomenal series. Um, now that I'm talking about it, I, I want to read it again. Um, you know, we get into something a little bit more modern, perhaps uh, snow crash, uh, Neil Stevenson. Is, is one of my all-time favorites. I absolutely uh, love that book. Uh, and do I have any favorite, favorite authors now? Um, you know, in all honesty, my reading has dropped off substantially um, with the amount of, of 
of work I have to do because, of course, my, my workload has increased uh, um, for the paying job because I have to do everything remotely and I'm supporting instead of 50 people in the building, I'm supporting 50 people in their homes now. So that workload's increased. Uh, the stress of, of being uh, behind my deadline. So my reading has dropped off. Um, but, you know, I, I try to, uh, well, if you ask my wife, I don't read at all anymore. I actually picked up a book and uh, and read it the other day and she looked at me and she, and she just, this look on her face was, she was flabbergasted. She says, you're reading a book. <laughs> I, uh, I've become addicted to Facebook, so I spend a ton of time on there. So I, I really should throw that away. <laughs> so, uh, um, David I, Gemmel is, is one of my huge ones. Um, I think if you'll notice, uh, I'm, the majority of my favorite authors are fantasy authors. And uh, all of my throwaway novels were fantasy novels. All of my sale novels were science fiction, which hmm. is interesting. Yeah. It is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I was I was interested when you said Gamble because uh, you know I, I've kind of I guess ridden on the coattails of all the uh, you know I guess you would call them grimdark authors of uh, the you know the fantasy realm. Um, you know, just he he kind of fathered that. Uh, I guess you could say a lot of people say that it kind of, that's kind of where it started. You know, that that's where Steven Erickson got his uh, kind of inspiration and so forth. So um, that, that's really interesting that you threw Gimble in there. Cause I, you know, I always, I always hear Tolkien and, you know, I, I haven't heard much Eddings, um, but, uh, but yeah, throwing Gimble out there kind of threw me, threw me for a curse since, uh, since you're a science, well, I guess you're, you're an author. You're just, you just published as a science fiction author. Um, yeah. Is that you know, and but you know, you can you can read one and write another, or vice versa, or write the same one. Um, but yeah, and as far as as far as reading, I, I completely understand. I mean, I I don't think my wife ever sees me read because generally when she's home, it's uh, the Kindle never comes up or a book never comes up um, unless I just I can't get to sleep. But uh, so usually my reading's done during my lunch hour or something. So, um, but yeah, I, I haven't I haven't done much reading. I, I'm trying to kind of do my, my diligence where I I'm reading the books that are coming out in like six or eight months. So when I get to that point, I don't have to feel bad for not having gotten to it. <laughs> so I, I think I'm, I think I've already read like between five and 10 novels that come out next year. So I, I feel like I've got a pretty good start. Um, but most of my Goodreads shelf is children's books just because I'm marking them off as I go. <laughs> so I'm counting, you know, my 24 page board books as, as a, as a red book for the, for the year. So that um, works. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think uh, before, maybe before the summer, I think I was already at like 100 or 125 books. And then since then, novel-wise, I may have read 20 or 30, maybe. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's just so, I don't know, depressing. I love, <laughs> I love books and I love reading. And I just, every time I think about reading, I'm like, what else can I do? <laughs> Cause it, it, it feels, it feels like I slog through books now. Um, and so I, I end up picking, you know, picking up, uh, um, my, my Nintendo switch or something. And I was like, all right, let me go get lost in the game for an hour. Uh, just because it, I feel like it's constantly going and cause what I'll end up, I'll end up looking down and looking at the page I'm on or looking at the word count or something. And I go, I'm not getting anywhere in this. <laughs> <laughs> And part of that is the concentration level, right? If you if you pull up a video game, you're 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 you can immerse yourself in it, but you you know there's reflex and stuff. There's not a ton of thought. If you're reading a book, you know you're processing the words, you're feeling the emotions. You're hopefully, you know, and, and you're, 
<laughs> just just dead inside while reading. <laughs> but it, it takes it takes a lot more effort to, yeah. to to read a book than it does to even watch a movie or to you know whatever. It takes a lot of effort oh, yeah. to get yourself immersed. So it uh, sometimes you know, especially with things that have been going on in the world this year, that that effort is you know it's spent by the end of the day. Right. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm starting to kind of come back around. Um, I, I kind of forced myself into to rewatching the first season of The Mandalorian just so I could kind of enjoy the new season that's been going on. And so I was like, all right, every single morning at seven o'clock when I give my daughter her bottle, I'm going to watch at least an episode. And so like, so that that's our bonding time is we watch The Mandalorian uh, at least for the past <laughs> week. Um, and so so I'm like, it, I feel like if I can get 30 minutes and then maybe I'm like, okay, maybe I'll watch a movie. And so I watched, I think the invisible man last week. Cause I hadn't seen it. Uh, and I actually like got through it in a day. I felt really good. Cause usually it takes me like a week to watch a two hour movie. Um, and so I'm like, okay, maybe I'm getting somewhere, but who knows? I mean, and so now, now it's like, all right, what is the next book that I need to read? Okay. Just, just, you know, dive straight in and see, see what happens. So um but yeah it's just i guess it's just the timing i i don't know um but I, yeah i can't just wrap my head around words because <laughs> i re- i read emails all day and you know I'm, I'm responding and and sending new emails out and typing all friggin' day so i guess you know, maybe i'm just tired of looking at words at that point <laughs> you know with the way the world is today and a six-month-old at home give yourself a break i think you're doing good <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at giving myself breaks. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm always go, go, go. Um, oh, goodness. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and uh, kind of get in, into uh, into your, your writing a little bit. Um, so I kind of want to know, what is the draw for you when it comes to science fiction? You know, I, I know we talked a little bit about what you read growing up, but is, does it have to do with kind of what you read growing up, even though, you know, what you read was fantasy or, you know, does your career field have anything to do with kind of your route into science fiction writing? Um, you know, that's, that's a, I, I'm going to have to, yeah, I, I, I really don't know. Um, uh, I don't know how to answer that one. Uh, <laughs> to, to me, you know, when I wrote my fantasy novels and when I wrote, uh, uh, the courier, the first one in the San Angeles series, um, even though that one is science fiction, it, to me, it was, you know, it was the same, you know, you still have facts you make up. In both of them, but you still have to have some reality behind it, right? Something, something logical, so it has to make sense. So to me, they they, they kind of follow in the, in that respect. They follow the same pattern, right? And that, um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I think they're they're exactly the same. You know, and Threader Origins over here. Um, I actually wrote it as a fantasy novel. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it, it has a magic system and it has, you know, all this other stuff in it, but it is science fiction. So, you know, some, I think some publishers have a science fantasy, uh, line that they put out, uh, Daw doesn't, uh, so it's science fiction, but, uh, and it's, it's got all the, you know, it's got quantum physics in it. So it's, uh, you know, it's gotta be some, some science in there, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> granted, my brain's not big enough to understand quantum physics. So it's, it's glossed over a little bit. I, you know, I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Um, 
so yeah, so so Quantum Empirica, which uh, which begins with Threader Origins, uh, you know, set to hit on January twenty first. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, about book one, and then maybe kind of what we'll see as a progression in the series? Um, sure. Uh, the book's actually coming out on January twelfth, twenty. Oh, okay. Okay, so. <laughs> I, I, I saw the twenty first. I saw the twenty first at one point. So I wonder. I wonder if that was just a typo. <laughs> well, you know, there's a chance that you might have more up to date information than I do. The authors are usually the last to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what was the question again? I lost it. <laughs> You're fine. Uh, I just wanted to know a little bit about the book, uh, and then maybe uh, about the series as it progresses. You know, without being you know spoilery. All right. Yeah, I'll try not to give out any spoilers. Uh, besides, everybody dies. Uh, <laughs> all right. The, the basis for the novel is that um, um, a father and son are, are working on a, a quantum-based machine that can um, essentially deliver um, unlimited power, um, electricity, basically. Um, and uh, they do all the tests on it, and they, they build it together. Uh, the son is actually a university student, and he's he's just working uh, with his dad in, in the, at a company called Quantum Labs, um, you know, to get an extra credit and stuff like that. Uh, so they're uh, they're working, and they have to do a full power test. And at the point where they reach uh, 100% power, uh, things go wrong, and uh, Darwin, the university student, gets pulled into an alternate world. And this alternate world is a place where, um, uh, uh, again, there's a Darwin and, and his father. Or they're, I'm not going to get too much into each other, but you know, it's basically a parallel Earth. So there's the same people are in it, the same thing happens, but perhaps on a different timeline. In the world he goes to, the same quantum machine had been turned on five years previously, and uh, uh, the world has changed because of it. Um, there was basically a group of people who could start to see what, what uh, they call threads um, that are generated by the quantum machine. And they learned how to read them and manipulate them and use them to do things. Uh, and there's a group of people that do that. And then there was a group of people that still relied on standard technology. And they got into a war. Uh, the uh, What we call threaders, the threading, the people who could use threads won. And, uh, and the world is basically run by people that use threads and by world it's actually um, rather segregated because they've lost um, the uh, fossil fuels because you know the war destroyed a lot of things they lost fossil fuels they lost electricity they lost you know all that stuff they lost communications basically north america doesn't even know if a europe exists or if a south america exists anymore They're, they've become you know small communities that, that trade with each other and, and use use the threads to help each other if they can and uh, yeah, he gets transported over, and uh, he uh, he realizes or he learns that he's one of these people that can use threads. And basically, the first book is is the only thing he really wants to do is he wants to go back home. He wants nothing to do with the alternate world. He wants to go back home and and kill that machine before it does the same thing in his world that it did to the one he's been transported to. And that basically summarizes book one. Hey. Great summary. <laughs> um, so, uh, what uh, what were some of the influences behind the story? Uh, you know, what kind of got the juices flowing to to write about uh, you know something you may not know a whole lot about, like quantum uh, like quantum <laughs> physics and and threads. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
this book came around um, a little differently. I had the idea um, before I actually sold the courier. Uh, so the idea was kind of there and I, I started looking in the, in the bookstore for, for books on, on physics and quantum physics and you know something that I could understand. And uh, uh, I, started, I started writing this one um, pretty much right after I'd sold the courier and before I'd sold books two and three in the, in the uh, San Angeles series. So it's this kind of fit right in between those two. And I picked up a book called The Dancing Wooly Masters. And it's about, uh, you know, it's not a common thing anymore, but it's about the, the quantum physics and, and uh, oriental cultures and, and, and beliefs and how they intermingle. And, and so I, I kind of pulled a bunch of stuff out of the Dancing Wooly Masters book and, and uh, started developing a story that I already had a main character for. Most of my stories start with a character. I already have a character in mind and I, I know what I want them to do and I build the world around them. So this, this one started off basically from that one, reading that one book. Actually, I, I was reading it at work one day, uh, The Dancing Wooly Masters, and uh, I have a bunch of post-it uh, or little tags in the book for all the highlights and, the, and a yellow pen for all the things I want to remember. And one of my coworkers picked up the book and there's a whole section on quantum physics. And then there's a highlighted section. And he goes through and he flips it and he says, you've only highlighted all the emotional and creative aspects. You haven't highlighted any of the science. I said, well, you know, so <laughs> that's the way it is. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so what did you find fairly easy about creating an alternate Earth? And to double down on that, what did you find to be the most difficult? The, the what makes a parallel earth easier especially something that's based on on the current state that we know it uh you know or perhaps project into the future or whatever is that you can have google earth or google maps and you can take a look at places right and that that simplifies a lot of things um and during the um uh the editorial revisions for threader origins i actually drove um uh, down to a conference in in San Jose, and so I went. I drove. Had a conference in Calgary, and then from there I drove to San Jose, and I actually went through uh, a lot of the places that are mentioned in first in the first book. So instead of just looking on Google Maps, I could stand there and say, "Oh, well, you know, it's it's August, and I can smell the fields, or I can if I turn around and look at the at the mountain backdrop, there's a great big letter G on the on the mountain in, in white painted rock, something you can't see on Google Maps. So I could bring in all those details." from San Jose, I drove down to, uh, to uh, San Diego. There's a lot of San Diego in the book. Uh, so I brought a bunch of, of real things from there. And, you know, it was, so Parallel Earth makes it easier to get those little details, especially if you can travel to the, to the spot that you're writing about. Mm -hmm. So that was the easy stuff. The hard stuff was the quantum physics, um, which um, again, uh, if you're reading it expecting to get a science book on quantum physics, you're going to be very, very, very disappointed. <laughs> it's a novel, and uh, the, the quantum physics is the basis for it, and there's some terms thrown around and some names, but you're not going to get a big science text. It's, it's not a hard science fiction book. Need to put a little disclosure. <laughs> do not do not use for factual references. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh goodness! Because you know, you, you know, you got you got the word quantum in there out for the for the series title, so everybody's be like, I don't know, maybe 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 he's gone to something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not gonna work. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Did uh. So did your did your I guess current career did it play any role in maybe some of the things that you have going on throughout the series? Just being uh, in IT. No. Um. If you know. If I do happen to write in some scenes concerning computers, they're they're probably going to be uh, fairly realistic. And then when I go back and edit them, I pull out you know the three pages of details that nobody needs anymore. So, <laughs> um, All the code behind it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one of one of the things I noticed um, for me is um, actual software development coding uses the same resources in my in my brain as writing so if i'm in a heavy duty project and i'm and i'm doing a ton of coding and i can't write because by the time i get home that well is drained mm -hmm. and if i'm in heavy duty into a book and i'm and and you know like when you're writing you've got one or two or however many novels in your head if i have to go into coding then it's basically dumped they've got it there's just no room for it i can't i can't do both well at the same time i've got to do one or the other mm -hmm. um, so it uh that's one of the reasons i moved into it rather than software development because it was there's you know I, I write scripts now and things like that but nothing serious so i don't have to do a bunch of coding it doesn't drain the well that i use that i need for writing yeah i i could i could only imagine like how that you know gets intertwined uh because i mean it's you're just always typing at that point. I mean, I, I think the only way you could maybe, maybe do it would be to, to freehand uh, the book while you're, you know, doing coding on the computer, but still at the same time, I mean, it's just, it's just an, a dump of information that just may yeah. not be there. Like you're saying. Yeah. And possibly um, I've just purchased myself uh, a remarkable two, which mm -hmm. is uh, uh, it's basically a tablet, but it's got a paper display on it. Uh, with a pen that translates automatically into uh, in, into text and will email you the, the document. So I'm hoping that when that comes early December, I can use that to uh, to turn out more words than what I'm doing now. That's neat. Yeah. <laughs> you got you ought to do a tutorial on it. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps it's supposed to be so easy to use that you don't need a tutorial. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'd be interested to see your 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 review of it. <laughs> okay, I'll see what I can do. Um, okay, so uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, about threaders and uh, does the use of threads does it become detrimental at any point for the characters? Yeah, uh, be because they're they're uh, quantum based, uh, and basically you can you know uh, try and remember that saying now and it's gone from my brain but whatever you know if if, if you follow a thread or follow uh, multiple threads from a single point you can see you know there's some people can see multiple different futures based on a single act which one will become real is you know depends on on actions things like that but basically if you follow a thread or too much or or you you concentrate on too many threads at once you have the chance of losing your mind and basically you're you're in diapers sucking your thumb for the rest of your life um, <laughs> so that, that, uh, that's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the people that, that, that really are, are, are highly, highly proficient, because not everybody's highly proficient in threads, 
right? Um, those that are highly proficient always kind of teeter on the edge of sanity. If they if they push just that a little bit too far, they're they're going to lose and their brain's going to snap. Um, and that happens a couple of times in the book. I won't say to who though. <laughs> that would be a spoiler, Gerald. <laughs> would be a spoiler. <laughs> Um, so, so did you, did you have, I guess, uh, a keen interest in quantum physics? I mean, you, you know, you said you had the, had the, the book that you made tons of notes in and, and so forth. I mean, was it, was it an interest in that or was it just something that kind of fit the mold of what you wanted to write? Uh, you know, I think it, uh, uh, the original idea for me was 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 the the threads um, and uh, and using the threads as a as a as a magical system or in the case of this book now you know a pseudo magical system um, and I really needed to to figure out what created these threads and how they worked and and you know how they moved and I just uh, nothing I could think of fit very well. And then I was reading a local paper one day, and uh, there was a small article on, on a quantum physicist, something I can't remember what, and something went click. And I said, you know, quantum theory, quantum strings, and the strings are threads. And then I started doing the research and, and just happened to come up to the, uh, the Dancing Wooly Masters. And it, uh, from there, it, it just solidified. Yeah. Yeah. How, how long did it take for that to click? I'm curious. Um... Well, the idea, like I said, the idea of that was in, uh, I probably got the idea for Threader Origins uh, 11 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. So it took a good four or five years before something solidified and I started doing the research on it. And then it was a good year and a half to two years of research before I realized I was just not smart enough to understand quantum string theory. And uh, <laughs> then I started writing the book based off of what I, what I could understand. I gotcha. Yeah. I'm always curious cause you know, I, you hear a lot of authors talk about, you know, they've had this idea of boiling for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And I'm always curious to know how long it takes or what it takes for something to just click and be like, that's it. You know, kind of, kind of like, you know, when you, you read that article, you're like, Oh, that's how I can, you know, do it, you know. So, and then it's just like everything just fits, uh, you know, all of a sudden. Uh, it's yeah. it's just it's really interesting how, you know, you can just be bowling over for so long, and something as small as an article or, uh, you know, a segment in a show or uh, or on the news or something, and you're like, that's how I can fit everything. Okay, I we're good now. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, I want to know, so, so last question I got for you, and this is kind of a general question I do at the end of these segments. Um, even though you haven't read a whole lot recently, um, is there anything that you have read maybe, maybe this year or something that you always come back to that you would recommend, or maybe somebody, uh, that you feel like needs more readership? Uh, one book that I, uh, I started a while ago and I'm going to have to apologize to, to Troy once I mention it. Um, oh, darn it. Now I can't remember the title. Darn it. <laughs> Troy Carroll, uh, Butcher's book. Um, uh, wow. That's embarrassing. That's horrible. Uh, uh, wow. 
<laughs> See, wow, you, you've already you've already given me all of the all of the data, and it's just all gone now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm I'm enjoying his book uh, immensely. I'm, it's just again my, my my reading has slowed down so much that I haven't finished it. Um, one that I'm very much looking forward to reading is is Nick Martell's. Um, I believe you you had a chat with him a while back. Mm -hmm. Uh, that one sounds incredibly intriguing. Uh, and again, his second one's about to come out and I, uh, I haven't read the first one yet, but, but you know, You've both, got of those, <laughs> both of those at the side of my bed, just, just, just waiting, right. The next one's on the stack and, uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think those are the two that, that really I'm looking forward to. Um, I know, uh, uh, you mentioned Rob Sawyer earlier, his, uh, he came out with his latest, the Oppenheimer alternative. I believe, and uh, very much looking forward to that. It sounds like uh, um, uh, he's, he's kind of gone back to to his roots and, and created a, a true Rob, what I what I call a Rob Sawyer book. And it's hard science and and solid facts and just um, just incredibly well done. So I'm very much looking forward to that when I have a chance to read it. Fantastic, yeah. Kingdom of Iris is 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 great. Uh, yeah, I, I was lucky enough. I. I kind of met Nick through Twitter and um, we had a, we had a chat and then he was on, of course, on a convention last year. Uh, and then we've just, we've kind of become friends. We text each other every now and then talk about new books and so forth. But it's funny how you mentioned him because uh, when you were talking about the threaders, it kind of reminded me of the magic system that he has in his novel um, or in his trilogy. Yeah. So, so, but instead of um, kind of, you know, I guess, teetering uh it's like the the more of the magic that they use they kind of start it kind of starts crippling them uh oh, okay. so i i felt i found that really interesting because uh, that that is the first book that popped into my head uh when i read a little bit about about the threaders and about their origins and so forth and i'd seen the synopsis about it ha having a detriment or being detrimental and i go Oh, that's really neat. Like, you know, it's a science fiction version, you know, you, and I can kind of see why you had written it as, or how you wrote it as a fantasy. Um, and so I'm, I'm really intrigued to, to find out. And I, I'd like to hear your thoughts about Kingdom of Liars when you get to it. And I'm sure Nick would too. I'll, I'll have to mention it to him. Oh, I'll have a chat with him at one of the conventions one day. <laughs> Another book that, that, um, that does that incredibly well um, is The Gossamer Mage by Julie Shaneda. Uh Her magic system, um, takes years away from people uh the, the more you use it and the more you 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 age and and, and become decrepit and and it's oh, you know i loved 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 that book it, it, it you know I, I there's a lot of writers that i enjoy and a lot of books i enjoy but there's very few books where i read them and i say man i wish i was a better writer and the gossamer made by julie shenado was one of those it was very very well done at least it just didn't turn you off from writing. See, I feel, I feel like that's what I do. It's like, I can never do that. <laughs> Give me something to strive for. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Oh, and by the way, I want to clarify. You were right. It is January 12th. No idea where I got the 21st from. Uh, maybe a, maybe, a bit of, maybe a, a bit of dyslexia hit me. I don't know. But, yes, it is January 12th, 20, uh, uh, 2021. Uh, but, yes, Threader, Threader Origins will hit then. Uh, it'll be, like I said, the first book in the Quantum Empirica series. Uh, and Gerald, it has been a pleasure having you on. Uh, very much looking forward to book one. Uh, and, you know, I hope 
you get some readers out of this. Uh, I, I know you, you've already got one out of me, so definitely, uh, definitely excited about it and just um, looking forward to more that you've got coming for us. Thank you very much for having me on. Absolutely. Hey, and by the way, great job on your first interview. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, you know, blackout and everything. <laughs> well, uh, you have a great rest of your week. And uh, like I said, we'll look forward to the 12th on the release of your, of your new book. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Gerald.